Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Every stroke counts on the scorecard and every penny counts in the market. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to straightforward pricing with no surprises, so you're free to swing with confidence. Visit tdameritrade.com slash fried egg. Member SIPC. Today's guest is Charlie Danielson. Charlie competed in last week's U.S. Open, making the cut and finishing T-58th. Charlie was a four-time All-American at the University of Illinois and turned professional midway through 2016. Uh, Shortly after he turned pro, a knee injury uh, from his youth flared up and he had to get a big surgery to repair it. So he is uh, on the mend. He's actually 11 months through the 12-month recovery process. So it it looks like he's going to be back in top form shortly, uh, as evidenced by his performance, getting out of locals and sectionals, qualifying for the U.S. Open, then also making the cut this weekend. So without further ado, here's Charlie Danielson. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. You probably didn't have the highest expectations to, when you when you signed up for the local. <laughs> no, I didn't. I mean, I uh, I had been doing like a couple little mini tours, and uh, and I spend my my winters down in Arizona, and so I I felt like my game was trending the right way, but I, I was maybe eighty percent and just kind of bunting it down the fairway, <clears throat> and then just. Week after week, I started getting a little more confidence in my game and and in my knee. And uh, then I, I went back, moved back up north to Wisconsin, and I felt like you know I could, if I just kind of stayed patient in the locals, I could I could probably squeeze through. And uh, was fortunate enough to I think a birdie my last three to to be a medalist. And uh, and then sectionals was definitely a a place where my expectations were low, uh, just because I was at a pro site where with a a ton of good players, and uh, really I had nothing to lose. It's funny how I, you know, I hadn't played golf in like a month until yesterday. So I, I mean, I was on the first tee, just like hoping to make contact. <laughs> That's how it goes. I mean, and, when I when I was, uh, I probably went six almost six six months without touching a club just because on the couch and then rehab and and when I first started making some swings it was just like I was was the same way just hoping to you just kind of like hope that your game comes back because you know sometimes people just they lose it for good and uh you know fortunately and I'm still kind of trending the right direction so when you were when you were hurt, what were you what were you doing to keep yourself busy other than rehabbing? Yeah, well, for the first probably, I couldn't even start physical therapy for the first four weeks because my knee just needed rest. Like the only time 
I would get up was with crutches to go to the bathroom. And so um, I don't think I made it up the stairs to my bed for like 14 days. And, and so the first month was just like survival. I mean, you know, taking pills, having my mom feed me. And, uh, and then once I kind of started being able to, to get on, on the crutches and, and get off the couch. So probably from month one to three, I could at least, you know, start getting into a car and, uh, going to rehab. And that was when things got a little better because you, you start to see a little light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, I, I loved rehab because I was just like, it was the only thing I could do to make me feel productive, to make me feel like, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting back as soon as possible. And, uh, and then I would say, you know, I just did some reading, um, obviously, just crushed a ton of Netflix shows and, uh, and, um, had my, my parents were around most of the time and then hung out with my dog. Just, it's just really silly stuff. But, um, and then obviously a ton of reflecting, like you just, you just sit there on the couch and you think, you know, you, you think about how you can get better. You think about, you know, the weaknesses of your game, you know, what you're doing well before you got hurt. And so, yeah, it was a lot of reflection as well. Yeah, I think it, I think it's unique. And it, most players that have the injuries happen, like, you know, when they're 35 or, you know, as they get older, when they have, you know, they've had a long career and then they have this time to reflect on, you know, what they've done to date. But it's, you know, having just turned pro, you know, 18 months or so before, yeah. um, like, you know, what... Was it, you know, what were you kind of reflecting on it, uh, you know, and what do you think about most, would you say? Uh, well, yeah, so, I mean, I continued to get better throughout college. And so, you know, I had high hopes coming out, played decent in some exemptions my first year. Um, you know, I played all around the world. I played some in Europe, PGA Tour, Web, couple Latin uh, and then I played a season up in Canada and I played seven events and so half the year and finished 21st on the money list. So I was one spot out of getting into second stage and then end up going to first stage and missing. I shot like, I can't remember, maybe like 12 under and didn't get through. And uh, so then that was a huge bummer. And then a month or two later, just when I feel like, all right, now I have a full season in Canada next year. And then, you know, hope, and then you start to think and then the web and, and then, you know, hopefully the PGA tour the year after that. And then my knee starts to hurt and, um, you know, shortly after Q school. And so then I just, you know, start to panic a little bit and, uh, go meet with the same surgeon I went to in middle school. And he's like, look, we can try all these shots we can try physical therapy and we can see if you can get this thing back to where you can play golf. And so I, I, I took the chance and did all of that for six months and nothing worked, nothing at all. So our, our last resort was surgery, which was a bummer because I had just 
delayed everything six more months. And now I'm looking at a 12 month recovery. And so, you know, while I'm reflecting, I'm thinking about, you know, all the unfortunate things that have gone my way. I felt like, you know, my talent and uh, my work ethic, you know, everything was good enough to at least be on the web. And, you know, I'm seeing all of the guys, all my buddies, all the guys I went to, to school with and competed against. And, you know, they're all having success. And that's, that's really tough. And it kind of gives you the option to either feel sorry for yourself and think of everything that, that, has that that haven't gone your way or you can or you can just you know continue to to believe and work hard and uh you know and then that was kind of when rehab started and I I just wanted to work as hard as I could to get back as soon as I could and you know when you sit out that long you come back and you're hungry you're refreshed and uh you're kind of just grateful to be on the course again and I think that's a that's a new perspective I I think I I learned that when I was in middle school big basketball player you know focused on that and then I I have that time off and then I start to miss golf and I come back and and that's kind of when I I started to to really enjoy it and uh kind of the same thing here you know now I'm just fortunate to be back I've I've been through a year and a half of professional golf. I know, I know it's a grind, but I also know that, that I belong out there. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's just kind of a little summary of what went through my mind, what happened and, uh, you know, everything that I was thinking about. Yeah. I imagine it's kind of odd. I think, you know, nowadays, especially, um, with specialization, how, you know, most high school kids play one sport. It's, it's like you got the, you got a rare year plus break off of golf. Like nobody gets that anymore. That's trying to play pro, you know, you're going pedal to the metal from when you're 14 or 13 years old all the way through, um, you know, how, you know, your professional career, you never get any time off. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's very true. And, uh, you know, now people just, you know, want to play a year round golf. And that was the interest, interesting thing for me is, is when I was growing up in Wisconsin, you know, I, I had a six month season and then I would kind of go to other sports and, and then I decided to stay Midwest and go to college and, and coach Mall was, was huge on that. Like you've, you've been used to a break and you've been used to, having that time off in the winter to, you know, reevaluate, figure out what you need to work on, but also get away from it. And, uh, and he was, he was kind of viewed that as a positive thing. And I think that most people now just think that they need to work, you know, 12 months out of the year, you know, grind on their game. And I think that says a lot. And so that I do think that, you know, it is maybe a little blessing in disguise that I had all that time off while, Obviously, I'm I'm impatient and just you know wanting to get out there so bad. But you know you got to think that everything happens for a reason, and I learned a lot uh, throughout that process. 
Yeah, it, it, I think I agree. I've got a buddy um, from Chicago who plays on the web, and, and he, he, after a number of years of living in Florida, started to just said, you know, I'm going to live in Chicago. And, and, you know, just, you know, when we're off, we're off, and I'm in Chicago, even if it's winter. And, you know, he's, he seems to have liked it much more. It's, it, it's a, a fascinating concept. So, you know, thinking about uh, Illinois and Coach Small, so obviously – you went to Illinois, you were four-time All-American, you progressed, and, and there you have school. When you when you graduate and you start playing golf for a living, what would you say is the most difficult aspect of that transition? Well, I would say, you know, in college you get used to, you know, the team aspect. You get used to everyone doing your travel for you, and you they kind of make a schedule for you. And, you know, everything. And then you you turn pro and you're completely out on your own. You know, you have your family to support you. You have your agents to kind of get you into tournaments. But it's a lonely world. And uh, especially when you don't quite have the results that you're expecting, it uh, it gets tough. And that's when doubt starts to creep in. That's when uh, you start to realize, like, you know, am I made out to, to be a professional golfer? And uh, it's not easy. And there are so many guys that, that come out of college and make that transition look so easy. And it, that's really impressive because, you know, most of the time it is a, it is a big transition and it's a tough transition. And, uh, and it was for me. I mean, yeah, I, I made some cuts out on the PGA Tour um, you know, played, played pretty well on, in some web events, you know, played solid and half a season in Canada, but it didn't get me anywhere. You know, it came down to Q school for two years, miss, miss both years. And then you're just kind of looking at, wow, I have to start over for the year. And so I think a lot of it's just, you know, learning and progressing and, you know, getting used to every experience and, uh, you know, learning from other players. I think that all goes into to continue to become, you know, a better professional golfer. And, and uh, I think that, you know, I've already learned so much uh, through the two or three years that I've been out. Yeah, it's definitely something that's changed in the last, <clears throat> I'd say, decade is, you know, the the success that um, young players has had, it, you know, it just seems like now it's younger and younger and more and more people have success. And, and when you, it, and a lot of it comes down to, in some cases, a good break here or a good break there. And, you know, for you, the first stage of, you know, missing out on second stage of Q school by, you know, one spot on the Canadian tour and then shooting 12 under, it's just like kind of just a matter of circumstance. And it's just so, it's interesting because, like, you think about Jordan Spieth, like, he had, you know, he missed out, he missed second stage, uh, or he missed going to final stage, and then, you know, he, he gets on an exemption, and he wins, and, you know, he hits the pin on that, that bunker shot. It was kind of a, a great break, and a lot of times it comes down to a good break here, a good break there. Yeah, I, I totally agree, it, and it just comes down to playing well at the right time because, you know, even even if you get to final stage, if you don't play four solid rounds, I mean, good chances you don't have, you know, full web status that next year. And so 
you know, you just, you hope to get a break. You hope to, you know, either Monday qualify and, and have a great week throughout the year. Um, you know, just a ton of things, you know, I've talked, uh, with Nick Hardy about this all the time because we, we both, you know, aren't on the web and feel like, you know, we should be, and we really want to be, but it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, believing that you keep working hard, you keep doing the right things, you keep believing that some way or another, you're going to get, you're going to get out there. And so I'd say, you know, belief, belief and playing well at the right time, it's all going to happen. It's just a matter of of staying patient. You had you made the cut at the U.S. Open. Had a really good week, you know, with the with the exception of a hole here or a hole there, you would have been, you know, up in the top twenty five or so. What what are the plans for the the rest of the summer? Yeah, so uh, that was uh, that was quite the week, and and we can talk about that in a little bit. But uh, the rest of the summer, I would say, you know. I'm in the I'm in the Barracuda Championship that you know I've played two years already, and uh, so I have that in late July. Maybe waiting on you know another exemption here and here or there, but uh, you know focus up in Canada and uh, just do everything I can to to continue to play well and just kind of trust the process. But you know it's all kind of just building momentum throughout the year. Uh, by the time I get to Q school and I, and honestly, I still have to get healthier. I'm, I'm not at the point now where I can just quit rehabbing and I'm, I'm good to go. You know, I don't have my speed back. Awkward lies and, and bunker shots still give me problems with my knee. And so that's also, that's also something that's, you know, pretty comforting is I've, I've already accomplished a little bit, uh, coming after the surgery and and I still I still have to get healthier and uh, you know looking forward to to continuing to get my legs stronger and uh, getting back to 100%. We see it with a lot of guys when they when they have an injury and then you know did did having the injury and then you know you had this period of time where you couldn't full swing but I'm guessing you went and you could start to putt and then you started to chip did have you noticed that you know, that's helped your short game and putting a lot, that dedicated yeah. focus. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, when when I was in college, I mean, that was basically all Coach Mall preached was, you know, work on that short game. And uh, we, we sat down with Bob Rotella a couple times, and it was work on 120 yards and in. You know, that's it's so important. And uh, I think people see, you know, the top players in the world right now and they're just they're just great ball strikers who hit it far um but they're also so good from 120 yards and in and uh so uh, yeah i think that's uh that's something that has kind of it's always been my mo it's what i've always loved to work on and uh i think that was pretty nice having that extra time to to start to to work on my short game so that when you know, when I was healthy enough to swing that my short game was already good to go. I just, you know, needed to groove the swing. So coach Smalls had a ton of success. I've, you were on some of some just unbelievable teams at Illinois when Thomas Peter was there. And then, you know, you guys had Thomas Dietrich and Brian Campbell and Nick Hardy and Dylan Meyer. Um, and, you know, a lot of times he takes, you know, the thing that 
is most impressive is the player development, how everybody that seems to go there becomes such a better player. Um, what, what is it about coach small and his approach that, you know, really helps you guys consistently improve? Yeah. And, uh, the player development was, that's why I chose to get to go to Illinois because you, you watch, you know, the Luke Guthrie's, the Scott Langley's just get better and better and, you know, become one of the top players in the country. And, uh, and my dad was, was huge on that with helping me with the recruiting process. And, and I think that's kind of what sealed the deal was watching how if these guys buy in to, to the culture at Illinois, they're continuing to, to grow as players and, you know, be able to compete individually. And that leads to the team being, you know, top five in, in the nation. And so that was really intriguing. But once I got to Illinois, I, uh, obviously was surrounded by some unbelievable teammates you know they're they're great golfers but they are great guys who who fit the culture who love to work hard um and and so you know yeah I got thrown in my freshman year with an incredible team and you know learn a lot and I would say the biggest thing that coach Small will teach you is is one is to do everything the right way, you know, show up on time, look professional. And so you kind of, you grow as a man, you mature. And and that's also a huge part in becoming a better golfer, I would say. And, uh, and then he was, he was just big on, on mental toughness and short game. You know, that's stuff that he would, he would talk to us about all the time we'd practice and you know when you're listening to a guy who's played on the PGA tour who's taught you know some top players in the country who's played in at least 12 majors won some club pros you know you're going to listen to this guy because he's been there he knows what it takes he's seen golf at the highest level and uh so yeah, I mean, the moment I got there, I bought in. I I loved it. And Coach Small isn't, you know, just this nice guy. He's gonna he's gonna be honest with you. And sometimes, you know, you're you're not gonna hear what you want to hear. Um, but that's the great thing about him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, critical. Um, you know, but fair is is the best way to have some. You know, get better. Um, with uh. With small and and kind of it, there's like a crazy stat with him. It, I mean, it's the most amazing thing. Is like in the mid 2000s, nobody had a better made cut streak on the PGA Tour except for Tiger Woods. Like for like a a, a long stretch of time, which is it's just nuts. Given the guy like only plays a couple months a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean he uh, he doesn't practice all that much, but. He is so good that, you know, I think last year he had three top tens in a row or, you know, three out of four in a row on the Champions Tour. And he doesn't practice very much. You know, he's a busy man. And so that just that just shows how much talent he has and and uh, how much, you know, mental toughness and confidence he has in himself. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it shows he also like loves what he does because it's very clear he could be making a lot of money playing golf himself. Oh yeah, I mean he he loves you know coaching us. He loves 
being tough on us. He loves seeing us have success. He loves, you know, every part about it. And there are, are so many highs and lows in college golf. And, uh, he, he loves, you know, every part of it. He loves the adversity. He loves the struggle because he knows that it'll make the team tougher. And, and, uh, you know, he's really good at, at making the schedule because he'll purposely, you know, bring us to courses where we're going to get tough lies. We're going to get bad weather. We're going to play on grass that we're not used to. And so he'll bring us to certain tournaments that, you know, aren't, you know, the top, top tournaments at the best courses in, in the U.S. He'll he'll throw us into some adversity and he's doing it just to prep us to to build momentum by uh, the postseason. This last week at Pebble Beach was your second U.S. Open. Uh, you played in the 2016 U.S. Open at Oakmont and then this year's at Pebble. How would you compare the difference between the two sites? That was I was still an amateur. I was uh, waiting to play the Palmer Cup. So I decided to take my amateur exemption into sectionals and qualified through Ohio. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I played Oakmont as – it was my second PGA Tour event because I had played Riviera as an am as well. And then, uh, yeah, I mean – Oakmont was an absolute beast and you know I'm taking in my first major experience and it's it's tough I'll I'll just say it it's tough to play well at your first one it's uh you're playing an unbelievably tough setup and uh especially it being Oakmont I mean it's just an, a monster of a course where you got to hit the fairways and even when you do you, you got to hit the greens and then you got undulated greens that are running at least 14s and uh without the rain that week I think they were expecting the cut to be 11 or 12 over and I think it maybe was 6 or 7 uh-huh. and uh, so that was that was you know obviously a big learning experience and I was still an amateur still had a lot to learn so this this one was completely different. It was my first time being at Pebble Beach. So I got there Sunday, had four days of prep where I could just play nine holes every day, give my knee some rest. And uh, I just felt more more comfortable out there. I felt like I knew what I needed to do to get prep, to get prepped. And I felt like, you know, you don't need to be out there practicing and playing all day because you know, rest is just important. You just got to get used to the grass, get used to the golf course, you know, what you need to hit off the tee, tees and get the, the speed of the greens. And I felt like I did a good job of that. And that's just, you know, that's credit to having those experiences uh, when I was younger that, you know, obviously where I didn't play well, but it's just, you, you learn things by, you know, playing and being around great players um, that, you can use in in your future experiences. So, so Pebble was amazing. I mean, it's probably my favorite golf course ever. And it, uh, it was a, it was a great test. I, I thought that the greens were going to get a touch firmer and a touch faster than they ended up. And I don't know if that's kind of because of the moisture that was lingering every, every morning. Um, but I thought it was, it was uh, an awesome venue and an awesome golf course and awesome setup by the USGA. So, 
you know, I was, I was thrilled. I had 30 plus people out there watching me Thursday, Friday. Um, and you know, to make the cut and give them a few more days to watch golf was not to, not to mention who you got to play with on the weekend. You know, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I got done early on Friday and so I was just watching the scores and, and it was, I knew that I was either going to play with Charles Howell and you know, he's, he's such a great guy, but I knew that it was, it would be the last person to post at minus one because I was the, the first per- person to post at, at even. And so I was watching and you just see like DJs at minus one and then Phil's at minus one. And I'm just, and then, you know, Tiger was in there and I'm just like, tomorrow is going to be a crazy day. And it ended up being Phil. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a fun Saturday. I, uh, I honestly, it was probably the best day of golf I played. And that, that sounds so silly to, to anyone who looks at my scorecard and sees that I shoot 77, but I make two silly fluke triples, um, on six and eight and, you know, play pretty flawless other than that. And, uh, you know, I, I had a blast with, uh, with Phil because the crowd, the crowd loves him, you know, they're very vocal around him. And, uh, you know, I couldn't help but to to soak it all in and just smile all day. Playing in front of such a big crowd and such a loud crowd, was it? Was there anything that was noticeably tough, or was it? You know, did it kind of turn into white noise? Yeah, you know, I would hear, I would hear and, and laugh at you know people making comments about you know give them a thumbs up or let me see your calves and they you know what phil's done on social media the crowd just loves to talk about it on the golf course but then you know they're 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 respectful when you get over a golf shot and 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 i honestly enjoyed it it was it was cool to see it was cool to get thrown into the mix on a a weekend at a major and uh you know, the, the only thing that I felt like was tough was I, I have a kind of a disaster happen on six and, uh, you know, without even hitting a bad shot. And, yeah. and then we, we get warned on eight, you know, just to catch up with the group in front. And I, I miss club on eight. I'm in the fairway and I miss club and it bounces back into the hazard. And now I'm like, okay, you know, we're a little, we're a little behind, you know, let, let's just, let's just get this on the green, get my five and get out of here. And, you know, I have a crazy line in the hazard. It's a fried egg in the back bunker and, you know, with running completely away from me with nothing, you know, I have no shot. And so I'm just like rushing. I'm like, okay. And I just feel like I'm in Phil's way. And that was a huge learning experience because, you know, that's where I just need to take a deep breath. You know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm a, I'm a fast player. So I don't need to worry about, you know, being on the clock or getting timed. And, you know, things just start moving really fast. And, you know, to make two triples, it was, it was really tough. Um, obviously it hurt a lot, but I just felt like my game was in a good place and luckily was able to, to rebound the next 
10 holes and, and shoot even par and then, you know, one under on Sunday. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, you got Phil and then you got Luke Donald, uh, former number one. It was like a pretty, pretty cool weekend. Of yeah, it, it was. And, and obviously Sunday, I'm teeing off earlier in the morning, less of a crowd. Luke's a little bit of a quieter guy. So I felt like Sunday was, you know, a nice walk around Pebble Beach. Um, but uh, yeah, Saturday, I tell you what, it was it was a lot of fun and definitely a day that I'll remember. You know, Oakmont and uh, Pebble, did you feel like the set, like, did you feel like different things were really important at each course, like different skills were uh, important at each course or were they pretty similar? Like you just have to play really well. Yeah, I would say Oakmont, you know, every single part of your game needed to be on it. You needed to hit the fairway and it was a long course. So if you didn't, you know, you're chopping out of the rough and then you still got to hit good shots to make your bogey. And, you know, the greens were so fast and so sloped. It was it was tough. And so if you get going a little sideways, you know, you're you, you can bogey every hole. And then I felt like at Pebble, I was probably, you know, swinging it a little better than I did at Oakmont. But I felt like, you know, you're not hitting drivers every hole. You you get that ball in the fairway. You hit some some good iron shots. You know, you you try to miss it in the right spots. I Pebble was just it was just easier. I mean, just the fact that, you know, you could be a little more conservative on the off the tee if you needed to be and uh and you know, once you hit fairways, the greens weren't you know, crazy firm. So, you know, it was pretty receptive to, to, uh, irons coming in. And, uh, I think if you just kind of get through holes eight, nine, and 10 at Pebble, you know, the rest of the golf course, you know, you can kind of get, if you hit, you know, quality shots. There's so many, you know, you get so many wedges out there. There's so many opportunities to make birdie, but like, as you like it's all about it's seemingly to me avoiding disaster at pebble yeah totally and there are holes that you know definitely can give you some serious trouble and uh that's the thing about you know u.s open it just amplifies you know any bad shot and uh it was uh it was fun and i like i saw a, a tweet i think it was paul tesori who was who's uh Webb Simpson's caddy who said, you know, all these holes that are short, you know, one, eight, he, he went through them that are all playing over par. And, uh, you know, I think that's pretty cool. It's just, you know, having these holes where you can hit irons off the tees and almost have wedges in and they're playing over par. And, uh, you know, that just, that just shows you how tough the USGA is is setting up these uh, U.S. Opens. How did you play four? Did you lay back or did you ever go for the green? Oh, I definitely laid back. That was that was a no-brainer for me just because I felt like, you know, you have to hit a, a perfect drive and, and you're not even guaranteed birdie just because of how sloped that green is. And, and you know, you probably would just need to be on the upslope of the left bunker. Uh so it was it was a layup and you know wedge it in and try to keep it below the hole every time. Yeah, it's funny. I was out watching some golf and and JT went for it. I watched him and he he got into the right bunker, terrible place, makes bogey. 
you know, right behind him, DJ hits, it goes for it, hits it in the water. I saw he hit it in the water again on, on Sunday. And it was like, that was such a neat hole. But like, it's amazing how that hole, like if you, if you just hit the iron, it, it, you're like given a wedge into a green, you know, but it's yeah. so tempting. Yeah. I mean, I'll take an, an iron and a wedge all day versus hitting a, a driver into a super crowded green that, you know, can give you a big number. And, and when you, when you hit an iron and, you know, into the fairway with a wedge in your hand, it's, you, you shouldn't make worse than a par. So I, I just thought, you know, pars are good on this golf course. And, uh, so I, I decided to lay up. How'd you get looped up with your caddy, Andy Martinez for the week? So, uh, the Steve Holka has been caddying for me, um, on all my PJ tour starts. And, uh, he used to caddy for Brian Davis and Brian Davis was out with injury. And, uh, so now I was out with injury and then Hulk caddied for Dylan Meyer, um, my former teammate, uh, last summer. And then Brian Davis is back playing now. So, so Steve Hulk, uh, was caddying for Brian Davis at the Dallas sectional and they made it through and the same one that I got through. And so I knew that Hulk would be caddying for him at the U S open. And so, you know, while dealing with my agents and dealing with, uh, Hulka, who's very connected and with all the caddies, he reached out to me and said, Hey, my mentor is Andrew Martinez. And he, you know, he's caddied 200 plus competitive rounds out at Pebble Beach. And he's won a USAM out at Pebble Beach. And, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. And so I, I thought it was kind of a no brainer to have, you know, a Hall of Famer who's from the area, knows Pebble well, you know, a veteran who, you know, I felt like I could probably get pretty comfortable with. And, uh, you know, he was nice enough to take the job and, uh, he's a great guy. He, uh, he loves to tell stories. He loves to talk, which is good because it keeps my mind off golf. And, uh, you know, he, he taught me a lot and he had a lot of knowledge about the golf course. And, uh, so it was, it was a very cool experience. Yeah. I, I ran into him on, on Monday and I was like, what are you, and he told me, I was like, but he's such a, he's such a great guy. I mean, in, in the guy, in his resume with, you know, Johnny and Tom Lehman and I mean, it, it, he's just an incredible, incredible guy. And then just, you said it best. He just keeps you so loose. Yeah. If you're just playing golf with him or if you're, or if you're, uh, or if he's carrying the bag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and for, uh, Johnny Miller and Tom Lehman to, to be loyal to him and, and him to be loyal back to them for so long, I think that says a lot about a caddy and, uh, and he's still caddying a little for Tom on the senior tour right now. And I think he's semi-retired, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age and, you know, probably wants to spend some time with the family. Um, so I was just, you know, super grateful that he, he took the job and, you know, maybe, maybe in the future sometime this year, next, uh, I'll have him back if it works. Yeah. Yeah. He, he knows Pebble pretty well too, from, uh, from his, uh, years. Yeah. And, uh, it was, 
I thought that was an, an advantage to, to have him since I hadn't seen the golf course and, uh, you know, he was from the area. So he, he got down there even before I did and, and looked at the golf course and, and, uh, so I, yeah, I definitely think that that was an advantage to, to have him on the bag, have someone uh, who knew the golf course so well. In terms of like playing USAMs versus US Opens, how 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 does the setup differ? Yeah, it's actually pretty close, I would say, because I've I played uh, some USAMs that I thought were tough. You know, I played Brookline and uh, at the Country Club, that was that was a beast. I played uh, Olympia Fields. I played Cherry Hills. And those were all, you know, tough golf courses where if you're shooting even, you are you're passing people. And you know, the only weird thing is that you know you're playing two golf courses, and then it goes to match play. So things things change, and and your strategy changes. But I would say I would say USAMs are, you know, it's a it's a great championship because they pick, you know, tough courses and and set it up tough. I would say. Probably the greens get a little firmer at a U.S. Open, and uh, you know the rough maybe gets a touch longer, but you know the difficulty is definitely there in the USAM. Yeah, it seems like it's about the same, but yeah, just a little tougher. Um, so hey, we uh, let you go here, but um, this is awesome talking, and uh, we'll we'll have to. Uh, People can follow you on uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's at charliegolf24. And then on uh, on Instagram, they can find you at uh, charliegolf. And, yeah, uh, I think it's Charles Golf. Charles Golf. And, Charles uh, Golf. Yeah. and then uh, we'll be seeing you on the Canadian tour, mostly? Yep. I'll probably play play some in Canada. This, the schedule's definitely a little up in the air right now. Um but you know maybe a PGA tour event here here or there and then maybe some web qualifying and and uh some up in Canada just getting ready for Q school yeah hopefully hopefully somebody uh gets you some more exemptions on that on the PGA tour you get more more Saturday tea times with Phil would be good <laughs> yeah I'll take that anytime I can get it you've been listening to the fried egg podcast we do the digging for you 